Hello, uh, welcome once to the podcast of Cadmus Change. We are this week uh, with uh, Pio. Pio, how are you? Hello, hello. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, very well. The rainy weather outside the window um, is still there, but uh, apart of that, I'm doing very, very great. Perfect. Uh, well, as we promised uh, this podcast, this week we are going to discuss the um, another topic of our of our list that we wanted to touch. Um, this week will be leadership and the case of uh, General Electric. But before we start, uh, just to mention the previous uh, week podcast, we discussed the case of Nokia and the flexibility, flexibility approaching market changes. Uh, well, I don't want to say anything, but maybe I can advise to check those shares. Uh, clearly, there will be something going on in the next months. I don't know you, Piotr, but if I would have uh, uh, something spare, maybe I will check that. No, I think it's definitely a, a topic that is worth considering. Uh, worth considering from perspective of uh, um, of the market situation, and especially worth considering from perspective of both opportunities and um, uh, developments on market and the role um, the company has in these developments uh, and the new technology research, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, if anyone wants more advice uh, about that topic, yeah, they, they can contact us. Maybe we can discuss uh, some brainstorming about it. Uh, well, uh, tell me, Piotr, why we chose for our topic in, of leadership? Um, it's, uh, it's interesting actually from, from three stages in company's history. Three Jack Welsh management theory at GE. And the period when the Jack Welsh was responsible for companies, so it's around 1981, uh, until uh, well, until uh, to 2000. Uh, so it's uh, this period of two decades, and then the post uh, post uh, um, Jack Welch uh, um, uh, uh, moments in the history when the uh, new CEO took over. Um, um, that was um, uh, uh, from. Um, uh, from perspective of uh, management, of course, uh, something that company had to do uh, since Welsh, uh, who has been who was born in uh, 1935, was actually already in a retirement age, uh, so he was stepping um, stepping down. Unfortunately, of course, um, this kind of decision is always um, connected to um, uh, well to another big um, decision who will uh, take over and in um, that particular example that was um, Jeff Emelt who was uh, taken over from Jack Welsh in 2001 and um, as um, actually as a preparation to this uh, podcast I read some articles about this change and, and, and effect of it and uh, one title uh, uh, of uh, one of the articles uh, said simply 
uh, Jack Welch successor destroyed GE, he inherited. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> so I just yeah. wanna that we're gonna have a look at these three moments: pre-Jack Welch, Jack Welch, post-Jack Welch, to see what happens. Um, yeah. Perfect. What what can you tell us about the uh, basically the main points of uh, these moments? Um, well, we we see that the it's, it's I'll start then with with Jack um, with Jack Welsh uh, again here he uh, he before he of course uh, took over as uh, as the chairman of CEO. Uh, when he was 46 years old, because this is how old he was uh, at that time when he took it over. Um, but he spent already 20 years at this company before. Just after his PhD, he, he joined uh, as a junior engineer. And uh, actually, about a year after he started, he wanted to quit. I was, um, didn't like the money. I wasn't that happy, but uh, initially, he, and, and hated the bureaucracy at the company. Um, but he was, of course, pursued from from someone in turn to um, to stay, and uh, you see that uh, he 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 grew very very fast. And after seven years, he was uh, VP of one small business, and then uh, three years later, he became a VP of the other department, also within General Electric. And and then, of course, it was a little bit of a snowball effect for him until. Um, 1981, when he actually the, became the biggest fish in the pound, uh, taking over the uh, the wheel as a chairman. Um, but before that happened, um, well, you need to see what what he did. It's actually interesting because if you look at um, if you look at the uh, General Electrics when he took over, uh, well, the company. Otherwise, maybe within the time when he was a CEO, the value of a company rose by um, 4,000%. So um, that's actually um, that's a quite of achievement because we are talking here not about um, not about um, going from zero to $4,000, but we are talking really from billions to billions because um, the market value of GE at the moment when um, Jack Welch took over was $12 billion um, in 1981. And when he, um, when he was leaving the company, the worth was $410 billion. So that's, uh, and, and of course he was, he had this, this strategy. He was saying growing fast, in a slow growing economy. So he, but how, how did he do it? Of course, I mean, you cannot grow when nothing else grows, you can't grow. So he was doing acquisitions and that's how he grew. But he, um, um, he um, uh, had uh, within this 20 years, quite some acquisitions to be more precise, 600 of them. <laughs> for GE, uh -huh. so and he had actually one one objective, and by that he was uh, he was uh, leading the company. He was saying either we are number one or number two in the industry. 
if we are not number one or we are not number two, we are not in this industry anymore. To start with, he was very clear about the main objective that he had. He was extremely, extremely um, uh, motivated, extremely clear, but he was, uh, from what uh, people say, also very rush, very direct in his words. Some even say that he was a really a, uh, well, for sure he was dominant type, but uh, brutally dominant in a way that he was really putting a lot of pressure in terms of performance uh, on huh. his management. So, of course, on one side, you have this beautiful story of success, and on the paper, it looks just amazing if you look at the value he created. On the other side, you have the situation where, of course, you look at, okay, was it always so good? Was it really sunshine rainbows, or was it really also something behind it? Because there is also a criticism of course, um, towards him, um, pressure, uh, people because of pressure were cutting the edges. Um, and that's the question, of course, everyone needs to ask themselves, like, okay, well, um, is it okay, is it good, is it bad, and uh, what is the business all about? But in this very capitalistic approach, when, when we discuss the numbers, and the market value, then uh, he did extremely well for the company because he professionalized it. He made, he created a module out of it. So definitely he earns the legacy. Um, huh? Actually, the Fortune 500, uh, Fortune magazine uh, appointed him or named him the, the, the manager of a, of a century. Uh, in 1999. Um, the guy is extremely talented for sure, but of course, um, yeah, maybe this approach would not work quite the same at the current uh, moment, uh, maybe nowadays. Although if you look at Apple's history, Steve Jobs was also one of the guy who, uh, one of the guys who was pretty uh, direct in, uh, in his management style. Um, although, of course, he was a founding father and he and, and Jack Welch was really a, a appointed employee. Um, but his biggest success, I would say, is really transforming the mindset of people, putting the focus on the right spots, making sure that you're either you're the best or you're not participating. And um, yeah, so I think that's, that's on this high level to give the two sides. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea is that uh, such style of management that he had uh, and what he created from from this point, you know, like uh, the changes that he applied to the company, um, how you can say that all this uh, works like uh, because uh, he used uh, a system we are now in a time that we look into the we want to be very uh, let's say close to the the feelings and how the people feel in the environment of their jobs you know like we are not uh, focused that much in just production 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 but more into understanding the needs of the people inside the companies uh, 
how we put all this together, how this works, because uh, I can imagine that his style was to focus on the feelings of the people uh, or the feelings in general and going to actions, uh, objectives and focusing on data to continue taking decisions, everything very structured. How we put this all together as a system that we can say that works or it doesn't work. Uh, what do you think? I think, you know, to start with, I don't think that one guy can change everything. I think that one man, doesn't matter how talented he or she is, cannot make something perfect for a long time. If it is for a moment, there is more to it than just this person. And for example, I, I, we have these big statements, Jack Welch, manager of Century, and we have this article title in a newspaper that uh, emailed, destroyed the wealth he inherited or the success of GE he inherited. But actually, when, when Jack Welch was living and the company was worth 450 um, billion, it was at the time when financial services were growing rapidly. And that was before the 2001, and that was also before the crisis of 2008. Um, 20 years later, the company valuation was already um, um, 200, 200 uh, uh, billion. So actually dropped by two. But what you need to say is that Jack Welch was there also when the times were right. He did great things by acquisitions. You, you can't say any, any bad word about it, but his, his, of course, successor was dealing with quite different problems. It's not to look for the, uh, it's not to look for, uh, um, I would say, um, explanation for the failure, but more to, to see that it's never that black, white, clear what happens because there's a, you need to have a great team. Uh, of course, lots of luck. Market needs to go well. Um, and, and sometimes you just cannot afford to see um, a everything. But of course, you, you, you do your best with it. With the, um, uh, with the combination of both, uh, when you say how you can uh, um, combine it, um, I think, um, well, it's... Um, um, it's 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 really the uh, the question that I like how um, the uh, CEO of Zappos answered when uh, he was asked. Uh, I think two two months ago they asked him uh, about his product, about the shoes, about the the business he built, and he said, "Well, he was never a kind of like an internet uh, entrepreneur type of guy. He was never interested in fashion or in shoes." But he, what he loved was uh, building company culture and working with people. And so actually he put those two in the action and it worked. So with Jack Welch actually, he was focusing on numbers but managing people very harsh. And what you see is now, it's like the focus for businesses a lot of times are not only the numbers, but also 
the um, succession politics, what we discussed by Unilever, and the continuity, stability, because it's not a great success to build something very fast to great results, and then if you leave the company, it all drops. That's not a success. Mm -hmm. That's actually what, what, what we have in the book, uh, Good to Great, where the guy says that the level five leader is a guy who leaves the legacy. When he leaves, the company is there, it's stable, uh, and will be there in 100 years. You see now, for example, General Electric's market valuation today is less than 80 billion. So one fifth, one fifth. Mm -hmm. So you see so, that, um, yeah. That raises the question, uh, maybe whatever was done during that time uh, was not meant to stay like that and didn't build that crystallization of processes that would make the company to continue uh, in that level of success when the times changed. Uh, what I want to say is that uh, a lot of people or maybe some, uh, uh, let's say, professionals will uh, attribute the success of uh, Mike to sort of Six Sigma strategies. Uh, but what I would like to point out is that maybe in this case, the most interesting part is, can we say that something was done uh, in the correct way if it cannot last? Uh, again, that harsh style of management uh, compared to great culture and the possibility of the people inside that uh, culture and organization to adapt using what they have in the moment, as you said, like, okay, before growing fast acquisitions, the market allowed this to happen. But what if you don't have those resources? One of the main challenges of any strategy is the, the resources that you need. And if, you, if your resources are already very uh, restricted, then you cannot move around too much. What I mean is that uh, very established procedures, strategies have very established and constrained resources or possible resources, then when they don't appear, the change cannot happen or the um, success cannot happen. What can we say about all this? It, it was the Six Sigma. It was, I mean, uh, it was, yes, the Six Sigma, but Six Sigma cannot uh, last forever. Uh, we should pay attention to maybe evolve Six Sigma into a different style of looking into the future, a little bit more adaptable strategy. However, Six Sigma in theory is very, um, like data-driven and to, to follow established procedures. What can you say about this uh, kind of uh, contrary uh, points of view?
It's really the matter of um, you and your time uh, as a manager, as a leader, as a CEO, as an owner of a company or a founding, founding father. It's of course, Jack Walsh can take responsibility now what, what happens with the company after he leaves. Everyone is at one particular moment in time in a place when he's responsible for it. And of course, when you manage, you try to manage it and build the business, you should uh, also then consider what will be the effect of your decisions for the future generations, for the next decade of the company, for the next years, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, you need to take this into account, but you cannot, of course, see everything what will happen. And I think that Jack Welsh was the guy who was willing to build a legacy and was willing to build a company that will grow even further in the direction he set for it. He wasn't a guy who came for one season. He spent 20 years in this role. He made it big. And I think if he would be a CEO for another 10 years, 15 years, he probably would even continue doing that in a way. So I think when you as, a, as an entrepreneur have a time, focus on your every day and make sure decisions you take are the best possible from perspective of your knowledge, market situation, ask people smarter than you, what can be the effect, but you need to make a decision. That's also the rules of a game. As a leader, you don't have the comfort of saying, well, it wasn't me. No, you need to decide. And you, as a leader then, carry the consequence of your decisions. It can be a very good investment and people will praise you. It can be a very bad investment. Um, of course, you don't know in the beginning what's good or what's bad, not always, because you, and that's how it works. But so in the first scenario, they will praise you. In the second scenario, they will basically say what they said about email, that he destroyed the legacy. Well, I think it's just more complicated than it is. Focus on yourself, do your job very well, and make sure that in a daily business that you lead and manage, you do everything possible to make that company successful, short, mid, and long-term. What Jack uh, Welsh did and, had, and that had impact on every three levels was implementation of Six Sigma. It's actually something that Motorola started in 1980, uh, 1981, and he started to introducing this pro, um, project, um, uh, well, around, I, I don't want to lie, I think 1995 they started. He, he set the goals for the company uh, based on the Six Sigma uh, at the end of 2000. They want to really adopt the the, the most of its concepts and methodologies um, from the pioneers. The training was very tough because they really first emphasized that this is the new way of working. This is how we're going to do it. Six Sigma is the new way. So again, first rule he said, we are number one, number two, or we are not there. Second is Six Sigma is a new thing. Every employee got a training 13-day training, more than 100 hours in a program, and everyone had to finish it before the end of 1998. 1998, yes. And actually, yeah, he covered the, the DM, um, 
DMAAC procedures, so defin defining, measuring, analyzing, improvising, and controlling. There was enough mentoring from the company, of course, uh, um, uh, for the business, because it's not only to give people a, a training and leave it like that, of course. No, you need to have, of course, mentoring programs to keep it over there. So you have the full-time black, black belt masters in Six Sigma that were really responsible for implementation and let this process change. Um, yeah, so actually, the, 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 all the key employees, they had someone they could go to, that someone would be a black belt master to ask for advice, to ask for guidelines for consulting. So actually they created some sort of internally also the consulta consultation bureau for this particular, uh, particular business, for the Six Sigma. Mm -hmm. So it's not to start and train, it's to change and also secure that the change will stay. I think that going back to even the beginning of the conversation, we can rescue some ideas. Um, he brought a clear objective, having a, a goal to be very, uh, you know, right, uh, clear so that people can understand it. Uh, he used the right approach, the Six Sigma. Uh, he trained and educated people. Uh, so everybody could really uh, grasp uh, <laughs> the idea about uh, what is Six Sigma and what they needed to do. It was very clear. He created a, a culture, basically. Uh, everybody was aligned. And well, communication, uh, people could go through the different stages and uh, talk with them. Um, Black bells, uh, green bells. So, what we see here well, is that also, it's also Jose something that well, I think he believed in, and what I like to to say sometimes: people do what you inspect, not what you expect. And it's also what what he did. He was very very hands on on this. So, for example, he was personally attending the Six Sigma training sessions and. Um, uh, actually, uh, he was also um, there when they were answering questions, and sometimes he was also personally answering the questions uh, because he was, of course, as much involved in the program as everyone else, so leading by example. But he was also organizing himself and his teams and executives surprise visits to review sessions. They, he was visiting the work floor and his management organized, of course, the visits on the work floors had first-hand observation of the extent of the implementation. And he wanted to have a weekly summary report and monthly reviews with a master black box team. So it's not only implement, he wanted to measure it. So he was mm. chasing the results, monitoring the results. And that's, if I would give any advice to anyone, if you're a manager, if you're a leader, you, what you need to do is you need to have a strong measuring, measurements control tools. You need to know what happens, how it develops. You need to, you don't have to see, oh yeah, we implemented. No, you ask questions regularly. What is going on? What happens? How it develops? 
and you want the, the metrics on a paper. That's, I think, the golden rule, especially if you have a lot of operations to oversee and just cannot have the luxury of investing half an hour or one hour in a, a meeting with every single person trying to understand everything, but you only just have the time, a glimpse of an eye to look and focus on the big picture, well, then you need to have a good metrics, then you need to have a really um, a good input from your teams. And of course, it's about delegating. So what he did, he said, I want this. I want to be number one go and do it. And so he was making sure he has the right people. So he trained them. He trained them in Six Sigma. Uh, of course, uh, he implements Six Sigma, implements the, um, the business model. He is also then responsible, what we said, for acquisitions, 600 uh, acquisitions uh, throughout the 20-year period. Uh, so, of course, there is a, a very bold culture of a really aggressive management style and acquiring businesses to grow even if the market isn't growing. There is a very strong focus on being the best and there is a very strong focus on training people and controlling the results. And I think this was the, the summary over there. The guy who came, who became the youngest CEO at the age of 46, until the age he went to retire. He, of course, seen this company for 20 years. He knew what is going wrong, what is going well, and he felt what needs to be done. So he said, boom, this is what we're gonna do. And what's funny about it, it works in the company if that's your company, but if you have a good controlling and metric system, it works especially very good if you buy a company, acquire, so what he did. If you acquire someone, mm-hmm. you need to know what is going on over there. So you need to ask the right question. You want to have the answer. You need input because you cannot steer if you don't have the coordinates. So actually, he was using his um, uh, methodologies to really make sure that, it, um, that he knows in which direction the company should go. And if you want to be only one number one or number two, then it's easy because it's everything below that you cut. Exactly. There is no place for failure. And that's very simple, but just ask yourself with this, you know, if you want to grow, you need to be the best at something. Then you will create the name for yourself. doesn't matter if you're a shoemaker, a barber, a dentist, a cardiologist, a lawyer, whatever, an IT software developer. If you are, if you are the best at something and mediocre on anything else, stop doing that, what you're mediocre at, focus on that what you're doing perfect, you're going to build a legacy for yourself. That's the story behind it. I think that you are right, Piotr. Uh, it's incredible, the, the story of GE, and I think that uh, there are so many more things that we can, we can learn about it. Uh, every single, I think, uh, every single have uh, Touched about the, the strategy and what he what he did for the company is um, worth to review in detail in, in by itself. Um, well, I think that we have a clear picture of uh, what we wanted to touch with uh, leadership and GE. Uh, as I said, um, I think that we could go deeper in specific topics. 
uh, going from the culture to the clear goals and uh, how he was there for the people uh, in the sessions. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that for days, uh, for today's okay. Uh, and next week we will analyze the case of Amazon, uh, how uh, going from an employee to an entrepreneur, the story of uh, Jeff Bezos and what we can see that one that wants to really uh, start its company or who, you know, to that has an idea and wants to, to feel inspired by, by a story. I think that to listen to what we are going to talk about. That's for sure. I want to ask you, Jose, what what do you think about uh, about management style of Jack Welsh and about this GE success story and how well what he did versus what is happening right now? How do you see it from perspective of time and uh, and the business performance? Well, as I mentioned uh, before, uh, I thought that uh, there are the main points is to choose a clear objective which is what you say like be the best example in his mind was a clear objective uh, the correct strategy six sigma uh, he could have used any other he chose this one uh, reduce because he he knew that it's oriented to reduce uh, cost the and to have a clear image of all the processes I think that they go together. Uh, another thing is that the, he managed to make all the management team to be involved by attending to the sessions and to show that he was leading by example. Uh, you cannot get through all these changes and to make a company be that successful and with all the merges, acquisitions and uh, you need to to show to to lead by example and to follow a, a line of uh, communication. Communication is extremely important. So uh, I think that the the main thing the main thing about the, the leadership case of GE is that there was a person uh, in this case Jack that came in the correct moment with a clear idea with a clear motivation managed to make the management team involved to show uh, to educate that educated the people in the correct way so they could understand what was the objective and uh, he had the correct metrics tool he managed to see if there was a, an actual improvement and to track this improvement and to for sure to even make changes if he thought that there was something that was not going right. So even in the, uh, let's say, close strategy or boundaries of a clear uh, strategy, there is also a space for, um, let's say, adapting and changing. Uh, so with all this information, I think that um, clarity, and how you uh, communicate the ideas and to not ble like, for example, a lot of companies will try to implement Six Sigma and they will not see any results. But then when you analyze what they were doing, there were maybe some steps that they didn't think that it was so important, like training 13 hours uh, or uh, what uh, in GA we were doing 13 hours of um, 
six sigma. Hundred hours, thirteen days. Yeah, hundred hours. Thirteen days, a hundred yeah. hours. So maybe another company will think, no, we just need an afternoon of two hours, and that's okay. And then they blame the the, the six sigma system that is not working. Uh, so there are a lot of things in the middle that one needs to really pay attention to. Uh, also, if not all the management team is in line with the idea, um, you know, when there is a weak support or there is a resistance to change because uh, people are afraid of losing their jobs, is the things we are going to change the, the way that they are doing, and they will use the ex excuse that well, it has been working until now. Why I need to change it, and even and the. They don't apply the rule of okay, but if it's more effective, uh, you should. Um, low information and resistant to change. I think that the, that's the very important things to be attacked before going through any uh, big uh, strategy. And in the psychological side, here to change will be normal, but that's precisely what needs to be attacked. To change will cause a lot of friction in all the change, in all the processes and all the strategy. But if we can uh, make the people feel comfortable inside a company with a, a project, because it's clear, it's like when someone has a disease and it goes to the doctor and the, the doctors don't give explanation, you get more worried and you don't want, you don't know what is going on and you get stressed. and. So the more information that the people have about which is the correct path that they need to follow, uh, then the fear to change uh, will be less uh, prominent and they will be able to handle these uh, new structures uh, in a better way. So there you have it, um, the flexibility and fear change uh, hand by hand and um, how important it is to ready or to promote an environment in which uh, change is not a, a bad thing but a motivation yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my that's what i can say from my side about all all this case and i think that uh, again going back to the people uh, if someone is in a company that is going through a, a big uh, strategy they are playing six uh, something similar, maybe the main management doesn't see that they need to pay more attention to this fear of change, to, to change from, and maybe they need to be, this to be pointed out. Uh, we are there, right Pio? Uh, we are more than happy to, to discuss this, uh, let's say, moments of a strategy with the companies or with the people involved. If someone sees that it's having some people with this uh, resistance to change because of the topics, uh, fear of losing a job or uh, not seeing that a, most of a better effective or more efficient process can be better than the one that they were using, we are there to, to try to um, untied that conflict and to make it smoother i think that definitely that's what we... just uh, if if uh, if we can help in uh, in any way uh, please uh, do not hesitate to contact us uh, go to the website um, cadmus um, cadmus change 
and um, or find us on LinkedIn, uh, contact us, and uh, we are happy to uh, to discuss it. Um, uh, thank you very much again. Um, well, we'll see you next time with the, the topic and the case of Amazon. For the entrepreneurs or the future entrepreneurs. Yes. Thank you very much, Jose. It was always always my pleasure. And um, all the best for our listeners. Uh, have a great time. Have a great week. And uh, uh, until the next session. It will be summer next week. Perfect. <laughs> and until the next session. Bye-bye. Hey, ciao, ciao. Bye.